Today's podcast is sponsored by LSC, a credit union service organization that provides products and services that allow credit unions to exist, compete, and thrive in the financial marketplace by meeting the demands and needs of current and prospective members. LSC is a payment services provider with credit union member-focused strategy. They offer multiple debit, credit, and prepaid processing platforms to facilitate seamless integration to a credit union's core processor. With flexible and comprehensive reward strategies to optimize membership growth and retention. All customer service and implementation needs are handled in house, providing quality assistance and controlled costs to credit unions. LSC also has portfolio development programs to review a credit union's portfolio and create a customized analysis that offers information and solutions to make the credit union's card program more profitable. Visit lsc.net for more information. From the Credit Union National Association, this is the CUNA News Podcast. Credit Union people, credit union ideas. Ram Charan's introduction to business came from working in his family's shoe shop in northern India. While he's now a sought-after consultant for some of the world's largest companies, Sharan says the basics of business are the same for all organizations. I'm Bill Merrick, Deputy Editor for Credit Union Magazine and CUNA News. Today's guest is author of more than 25 books on all facets of business leadership. In his latest book, Talent Wins, Sharan says succeeding in business today requires companies to deploy talent in new ways. Doing so will allow them to seize new opportunities and adapt to constant change. Sharon will address the CUNA CEO Council Conference October 4th in Irving, Texas. I've read that your, your first experience in business came while working in your family's shoe shop in northern India. Um, what, what sticks with you today from that experience? So I want you to know that all these billionaires that I have worked for, they are experts of basics of business and money-making what academics call business models. And its fundamentals are learned best by the street vendor, by a retail outlet owned by family. Those basics are exactly the same as any multinational, any big company. The scope of that is different, the speed is different, Outcomes are different, complexity is different, but the basics are exactly the same, language is the same, terminology is the same. That's what is stuck with me, and I've been using that all the way 58 years in real life. Most of us are not taught in the university those basics, the way you learn when you are a street vendor or a retail outlet family-owned. That's what it is. I'm able to talk to any CEO of any industry when it comes to business. What are some commonalities of success between a, a street vendor and a, and a multinational company? Very simple. Both have to learn and demonstrate in a proper ethical way they can make money. That's the business sense. Street vendor is less educated, his information 
is online because you can you can see everything, how much fruit he has. He knows what are his sales every second. He knows what is his cost. Simpler, the largest company, multinational, big, they have to use information systems. They've got to analyze where the revenue coming, where is it going, where the margins are, where the costs are, complexity, scale, speed. That's a big difference. I've read also that you were on the, the faculty of, of Harvard Business School and, and Northwestern University. What led you to leave teaching and become a consultant and an author? Yeah, I want you to know that I was consulting even before I began MBA. And the thing about my consulting is that when I work with the company management, my recommendations are action-oriented and very, very high percentage, if not all of them, go into action and they see results. So my outside consulting became so large, I could not do justice to the university. I've been on the road for 41 years without a home, without an apartment. Wow, wow. I'm on the road 100%. What is that like, living on the road 100%? I mean, you get used to it. There's a nice Fortune article on me in 2007. Fortune people travel with me to see all that. Must get a lot of airline miles then. I am, but I can't use them because the last thing I need is travel for leisure. <laughs> so looking at, uh, looking at Talent Wins, what led you to write Talent Wins at this time? In this era of technology change, artificial intelligence, algorithms, digitization, a lot of technology is changing as a result of that. So there is a real issue. Do we have right talent? Is there a shortage? Is the talent we have is obsolete? And that's what got me going. Back in companies, the HRO, human resource senior executive, should be trustee of talent or CFO, trustee of fund. Only two resources the company has. They need to work as an integrative team because one impacts the other, and not in silo. And second, in most companies, as a concept, 2% of the people have 98% of the impact. All across, all up and down. Two, it could be one and a half, it could be one, it could be half. Search those because that's the reality. You've, you, your book also mentions the concept of G3. Could you explain this concept and how it works? Yeah, the concept is that no matter what size of your company is, the company has only two resources that are flexible, mobile. One is people and talent, and the second is funding. In most companies, they are silos. The idea that I saw and I came with is to work as integral. And so CEOs have these two work together to deploy resources, both people or talent and funding, review operations, review strategies, and benefit by the integration of the two. And so the G3 is the CEO and these two mm. in the allocating of resources, uh, acquiring resources. Seeing these two resources are better than competition because this is what fuels a company progress, company's competitive advantage, company's value creation. 
These are the people who design organizational structure. They design incentives. They do strategy reviews. They design information systems. People do that. So people before strategy. Why? Strategy comes from people's mind, not the other way around. Is it unusual for most companies to have the CEO and CFO and and chief human resources officer uh, at the same high level and and meeting at at a, at a regular basis? This has become now. It's moving. I initiated that. We have companies' examples: S and P Global, Tatacom, Goldmark Mesh. This is beginning to happen. They used to be in silos. I'm saying, you know, put together. Have your offices side by side. They're doing it. This is new. How does an organization make the shift to become uh, less of a numbers-oriented organization to a a people-focused company? In the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, especially 60s, conglomerates became common, and almost all conglomerates were run by the numbers of people. They have no feel for people. Now, talent is at the center to create value. And so the starting point is to start from the CEO first. That when they have their meeting in the top team, they have to do two things. One, discussion of customer. Second, discussion of talent together. And then see how they influence numbers. If they do in the top two layers, the rest of the company will follow. Are there certain companies who do this especially well? I think so. Um, This is in the culture of these companies. I would say Disney is a people-oriented company. J.D. Edwards. People have different ways of doing it. I think, in a way, Netflix is moving that way. Could you comment on on what role technology plays in creating a talent-driven organization? Technology gives you analytics, diagnosis, data. Human beings in charge have to know how to use how their judgment also includes fact-based data, not just intuition alone. Second, the technology permits for each employee to be his own personal developer. What skills they need, what help they can get, what courses are available for them to attend and get ahead of the curve and not be obsolete. Your book also mentions organizational agility uh, as a way to unleash talent. What is this and, and how does it work? First, we should ask the question, what causes rigidity? And my observation is that human beings are not that rigid as we make out to be. They couldn't function in life if we were so rigid. So what causes this is the rigidity of KPIs and annual budgets. But internally, the top management has the game most of the year. They have to make trade-offs and adjust those on key decisions. Take, for example, today. I mean literally today. What is happening to the currency in Turkey? If you're a top management in Turkey of a company, you get your top management team together and say, how do we change KPIs and budgets? of various functions to 
linked with the change in the currency. So the agility is like a steering wheel of a car that the top management needs to develop mechanisms and do it. They have to make the adjustments. They can't go on in the old ways. It seems like this this kind of talent-driven focus would require some new skills from the CEO. What what skills work best for a CEO in, in this type of company? Yeah, there are two skills, maybe three. One is assessing what a person can do, not just what he or she has done. See, the best, most successful billionaires who never had any higher education, they had that expertise. And I've worked in my life for a lot of billionaires who had no degree. This is one of their single talents. And second is developing talent. And third, they need to have a superb HR person to work with them. What do you see as, as some of the consequences of, of failing to become a talent-driven organization? You die. A Kodak went down. The talent, lack of talent at the top let it down. Companies don't die. CEOs let them die. Very funny. I was shown the building of Blockbuster by the co-founder of Netflix. It took me through the history. They went to the Blockbuster guys, and they threw them out in one hour. Do you believe that? Barnes & Noble. How long they have known about Bezos in books? Look what's happening. And borders went bankrupt. But there are bookstores in the nation, people reading more than before. Consumption of books has not gone down. And you think that was mainly a, a result of, of not being people-focused? Not having the talent to develop the stuff. Looking at, at you as a, a successful uh, business person and, and consultant and author, what habits have you developed that make you successful? There is no such thing as successful. You have to learn every day, earn every day. And the old basics never go away. If I cannot contribute to the company and the people, I should be fired. It's the same thing. I've got to learn what's changing. I've got to learn what the company needs. I need to be totally intellectually honest figure this out. If I can figure it out, I can't service. And I'm no good. I'm wasting their time. Thanks for listening to the CUNA News Podcast. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. This podcast was sponsored by LSC, a credit union service organization that provides products and services that allow credit unions to exist, compete, and thrive in the financial marketplace by meeting the demands and needs of current and prospective members. Learn more at lsc.net.